1: Hey everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our big Browns-Jets preview here on the Orange of or Brown Talk podcast. Same thing that we did last week for the Browns and Panthers. We're going to kick things off. Mary Kay Cabot, Irie Harris, and I will give you three things you need to know for the game. Just so you know, Mary Kay had a few audio issues uh, during that segment, so I worked around that a little bit. The audio might get a little funky, but uh, just bear with us as we get through that first segment there. And then Mary Kay and I had a chance to catch up with Andy Vasquez. He works for our sister site, NJ.com and the Star Ledger covering the Jets. We spent some time with him to get to know Joe Flacco, Robert Sala, and the New York Jets. And then we wrap it up with some prop bets and our game picks. That's all on today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'll take a minute here to tell you about Football Insider, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. Get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and become one of our text subscribers. So again, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. All right, here we go. Previewing the Browns and Jets, the home opener week two at First Energy Stadium on the Orange and or Brown Talk podcast. And away we go here on our Browns Jets preview pod. We start off with things you need to know for Sunday's game. Uh, this segment, Mary Kay Cabot, Irie Harris, and of course, I am here as well. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I think I'm gonna go first here. I like mine. Uh so I'm gonna go first. The New York Jets last week, the left side of their line, and this is from Pro Football Focus, Lakin Tomlinson and George Fant gave up 12 combined pressures. Lakin Tomlinson, the left guard, gave up eight. George Fant gave up four pressures. And I have to imagine that Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, who really What they basically wrecked that game plan for the Panthers last week with batted passes and pressure. They're watching tape of that game. And I I actually watched the Jets game last night a little bit. They're going to be able to generate a lot of pressure on this team. Mary Kay, I have got to imagine uh, that those two guys in particular are licking their chops, but especially miles lining up against the left side of that line.
2: Absolutely. 100%. And that is the name of the game for this Browns defense is to bring that pressure. That's exactly what the Jets are going to try to do. uh, Because we, of course, know that Joe Woods worked for Robert Sala, uh, in San Francisco, but 100% that is going to be the name of the game. You've got Joe Flacco back there. Uh, he's 37 years old. He's not mobile. Uh, you know, he will get the ball rid of the ball quickly, but you know, miles is void by the fact that he's coming off of a two sack game. He really, really wants NFL defensive player of the year this year, and he is coming loaded for bear.
1: Yeah. I read miles had a two sack game last week and he's not even the early front runner for defensive player of the year. So I mean there were some big time performances last week. So he's he's got his work cut out for him to kind of keep piling these games together. That is
3: blasphemous. I can't wait for him to go out there and show why he should be front runner for defensive player of the year. I'm
1: not I'm not saying I'm not saying he won't win it. I'm saying right now I understand there might be two or three other guys that might be ahead of him after week one. I felt like like especially
3: the last couple of years. I mean, there's there's always been those couple of guys, guys not named Garrett's gonna you know is gonna be wide or gonna be Donald. But uh, Garrett, as you said, Garrett. I mean, he has his work cut out for him. We see the crazy thing when it comes to Garrett is because we see him in person just how big of a player he is and how, how agile and just how speedy and quick he is coming around. There's a reason why teams sometimes have to triple team him while he still gets around that, and he hasn't even hit his full potential yet. So when it comes to, to this Jets game, this should be nothing less of a you know in general Garrett type of, of performance. At Flacco was not mobile, he's not the same quarterback he was. He throws the ball a lot too. He threw 59 times like mean, that's gonna tell you there's gonna be a lot more of him standing in the pocket presence, which means it's gonna be more opportunities for Garrett to just draw out and just go through the line and get a sack up going. And and what better team to go in and get his numbers up than versus the Jets.
1: And you know, Mary Kay, there's going to be opportunities there for the defensive tackles too, um, because that line's gonna collapse. And this is an opportunity for those tackles who have sort of been um the bane of everyone's existence, I guess, to put it one way. They they don't love the Browns tackle position. Uh, this is their chance to kind of prove some things here.
2: Yeah, and actually uh Jordan Elliott graded out really nicely. Uh, in the first game, and and Tommy Togiai actually graded out pretty well, too. So, you know, you know, I don't think they're maybe like as bad as everyone thinks they are. And then, as as we know, they can move their ends inside whenever they want to and create mismatches. And now they have one game under their belt. I think they'll do more of that. I think even Miles Garrett will probably find opportunities, perhaps on third down or somewhere, where he can find some kind of a mismatch that he really likes and attack it. So uh, regardless of of what people think they have inside, they can work around it.
1: Okay. Uh, Mary Kay, what have you got?
2: Well, this jets pass defense, they really upgraded a lot. They upgraded a lot in the back end and they've now got two really good cornerbacks in their number four overall pick sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. And then, free agent pickup dj reed uh last week against the ravens reed had had zero receptions on five targets over 29 uh coverage snaps and gardner gave up only two catches for 19 yards on four targets over 29 coverage snaps. So they've gotten a lot better in the back end. Of course, it helps uh, that they've got, you know, that they're working in concert with that stout, aggressive defensive line, but they're better back there. And Reed also had an interception. So Jacoby Brissett is going to be working against, uh, you know, some pretty good, pretty good cornerbacks. Uh, And same thing for Amari and Donovan Peoples-Jones.
1: Yeah, Iria. I was watching that game, and you know, I actually thought Lamar Jackson played pretty well in that game. I know his final stats maybe didn't blow you away. He, he his touchdowns, obviously, I think he threw three touchdowns, but his completion percentage was a little down. But I thought he played pretty well in that game. Uh, but you know, Sauce Gardner made a couple plays, and credit to this Jets, uh, this Jets front office. They went out and brought in a couple guys in Gardner and in in uh, in DJ Reed. To kind of boy that secondary a little bit,
3: they definitely did. I mean, I, I, I think anybody who, whose first name is Sauce is definitely <laughs> Sauce somebody that, that you should watch out for first off definitely. But no, Lamar did do well. The stats the stats would show. Yeah, it could have been a bit a bit more efficient and whatnot. But with, with credit to you know to Reed and and a Gardner. They did their jobs in coverage. This made Lamar have had to throw quite, you know, quite a bit more for uh, against a team like the Jets, where you would think he would just go out there and just dominate with, you know, without any effort. But there are times where he had to give, you know, a little extra more effort on a patch or scramble a bit more so he can get that open pass off. You know, did the score will tell you a different telling thing that it was just an easy blow, but no. They Reed and Gardner did their jobs and having to make this offense work a bit more to make the scoreboard what it was. It wasn't a 30-point blowout, but you would think so, just off the scoreboard alone. But then they did their job. Those two players, they have the Browns definitely have to look forward to
1: in against on Sunday. And and Mary Kay, that's you know, it's concerning because when when you look at this Browns receiving core, you're not really sitting here saying they're really gonna stretch a secondary thin. I mean, you you start with Amari Cooper, obviously you gotta find somebody to cover him. And then from there, you know, even though Donovan Peoples-Jones played well and Anthony Schwartz made a couple of plays, there's still not anybody in that receiving core that, that you're really scared of just yet.
2: No, and that's why, you know, I just did a whole story today uh, as we're taping this on Thursday about Amari Cooper and looking at, his, you know, some of his numbers and what went on with him in the game. And basically now Amari Cooper is serving as the number one receiver, whereas last year He was behind C.D. Lamb. It was C.D. that drew a lot of the double teaming and the extra coverage with the safety over the top. Now Amari is getting some of that coverage. And it's, you know, unless the Browns have some other really good pass catchers that are going to come through on a consistent basis, it's going to be hard for him to beat some of that extra coverage. So, you know, they've, they've got to get other guys involved. I think they have to get David Njoku involved. It was good for them that Donovan Peoples Jones caught six of 11 targets for 60 yards. That will help loosen things up a little bit. Uh, Anthony Schwartz had a little bit of success that will help. But as you mentioned, it's not like they've got two or three other pro bowl type receivers out there uh, that can go ahead and take that pressure away.
1: Okay. Irie what's yours.
3: All right. So mine is, is, is regarding the, uh, the jets rush defense, specifically their defensive line. So last week in the first game versus the Ravens, like I said, the, the scoreboard doesn't tell the hotel, but this jets defensive line only gave up 63 total rushing yards. The longest run that they allowed the entire game was a 10-yard run from Mike Davis. Mike Davis carried the ball twice. One of them was 10 yards. The other one was one yard, only one yard. That tells you that on that one simple play where it was a 10-yard game and where they and let him go up the middle easily and they stopped at the very next play. The main guy that I, I, I look from regarding this lineup is uh, Quentin Williams. Now, Quentin Williams is a guy... Where, for the most part, the hype has been real. Unless you're a diehard Jets fan, respectfully, you're not going to know the type of youthful impact that, you know, that he's had on his lineup. Uh, you know, going back to our favorite website, you know, Football Focus, amongst all the guys on defense, he led the team in defense, overall defensive grade. He had a 92.1. Now, uh, he's not – now, he does a lot though when it comes to sacks. Um, in his you know, three seasons right now. He's only had 15 total sacks, so I don't look for him to really sack – that much. But then again, it's a mixture because you don't know. I mean, you have Jacoby Percet who we know is not as... We talk about Flacco not being that mobile, per is not that much mobile either. He'll scramble, but it looks like he's really giving it his all just for a, a couple yards. So that's really the one thing I look forward to when it comes to this defensive line. I mean, they can really wreck habit if they're not coming out on the job. But at the same time, they have to go up against a two-duel tandem with Dwight Taylor and Joel Batonio. So they're gonna despite these guys to pull every move possible to get past these two guys alone.
1: Mary Kate, this is the matchup to watch. I think the Browns' run game against this Jets' run defense. We don't have huge sample sizes here, but the Jets did a nice job against Baltimore, and and that's a team that like the Browns. They want to run the football. Um, DVOA, they were fourth against the run in the in the NFL after Week One. Uh, PFF had them um, the eleventh best run defense in Week One, which isn't terrible. Um, I thought they looked really good against the run and it's not easy to slow down that Baltimore, uh, that Baltimore run game. So this is kind of a, an early test for the Browns and their belief that they can run on anybody. We lost Mary Kay there, I think, but I can the Browns win if they can't run the ball. Sorry, Mary Kay. I'll see you whenever you get back.
3: Hello, people. <laughs> I'm back again uh, to answer your question. Yes. They, they can win if, if, if they run the ball. Now I don't know how many times, is, you know how many carries is going to take needed i mean chubb versus carolina rushed for 141 yards but it did it on 22 carries who knows how many times he may have to run to the outside or how good or how many times david and joku was going to have to come out and block for him up the side for chubb to get another 25 yard type of run uh i mean it, it's really going to be a mixture and i know this is going to be the simple cliche of you want to run you want to pass it but as, as cliche as they may sound, I mean, this is an offense that everybody expected to run the ball mostly. You were surprised at the amount of my times per set through the ball, which was 34 last game. Uh, the the they're, they're, this Jets team is really more of a defensive-minded type of coach type of team, so they're definitely going to do their best to force Percept to feel uncomfortable and, and pass the ball, because if if as many times in the first quarter if the Jets defensive line can swallow Chuck or Hunt, that's going to force in the pass, but in the end, I think they can edge it out and win in the rush game.
1: And, and Mary Kay, it's not just Chubb and Hunt. You know, I had mentioned that it's those two guards. It's Bill Callahan. It's this scheme. It's 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 the design. It's all of that stuff too that the Jets have to deal with. We're still struggling with with Mary Kay there. Um, yeah, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna call that a segment, Irie. So uh, we got the Browns run game against the Jets uh, defensive front. We've got those two Jets cornerbacks against the Browns passing game, and of course we have. Uh, what was mine again? I should remember this. We've got the Browns pass rush against the Jets and that left side of the O-line that really struggled. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, Mary Kay and I had a chance to catch up with Andy Vasquez. He covers the Jets for our sister site in New Jersey, NJ.com and the Star Ledger. Uh, So that's coming up after the break. And Irie, you'll be back in a little bit to do picks. we welcome on from our sister site, NJ.com, Andy Vasquez covers the New York Jets. Andy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate
4: it.
2: Yeah, Andy, uh, we are uh, going to see an old friend this weekend in Joe Flacco, uh, who has a 17 and three record against the Cleveland Browns. So what have you seen so far from Joe? What do you feel like the outlook is for him on Sunday?
4: Well, he has not won a game as a Jets starter. I think he's 0-7 at this point. Uh, And what we saw against the Ravens was a guy who was under pressure a lot. I mean, the Jets' offensive line is banged up. They've already lost two starting tackles. uh, And they didn't get a chance to really work together at all during the offseason and training camp and preseason. And then they started a a fourth-round pick who wasn't supposed to play until next year at the earliest, Max Mitchell at right tackle. So – you can see why he struggled. He didn't have time to throw. I mean, he was hit 11 times uh, during that game and I think sacked five times. So, or or at least three, it was three sacks and 11 hits. Sorry, it's a lot of math. He was hit a (laughs) lot. So you you can see why he struggled. I don't think it was as bad as as maybe Jets fans think it was. He was just constantly under pressure. And and I think the offensive line will get better this week just because, you know, they're going to have some real tape to be able to game plan off of. And they're going to have some experience together. So I think Joe Flacco, I mean, he still throws the ball really well. He was never a really mobile guy, even long before the age of 37. He's still not mobile at this point. Uh, If they're going to put pressure on him because this is a better defensive front than what they saw against the Ravens. But I think he might be a little bit more capable of dealing with it. This isn't his first game since last November. It'll be his first game in a week. So he's going to be used to the game speed. His arm is still very good. And I think he's going to be able to recognize some more stuff before the snap. So I I think you're going to expect, you can expect to see a better Joe Flacco. It's not going to be spectacular, but I think he can make some things happen. Was there
1: ever any chance? And I know fans were chanting his name in the second half of that game. Was there ever any real
4: chance that, that Robert Sala could have decided to go with Mike White this week? I don't think there was like a serious chance. I mean, Sala said that today that, he was always, um, you know, planning on on having Joe Flacco be the starter, and I think it makes sense when you look at Mike White when they when he played a good defense last year. He, he got three starts last year. He was hurt in one of them very early. Obviously, had the the special game for 400 yards against Cincinnati, but against Buffalo, he threw four interceptions, faced a lot of different kind of looks and fronts, and he, and he struggled with it. And and I think even if he play if he played last week, he was going to get hit a ton and and he's not as good at recognizing what's going on before the snap. He's going to take more hits than Flacco would have taken and, and becomes an injury risk at that point. So, um, and also Mike white did not look very good during training camp or the preseason, but before he went 13 of 17 against the giants in the last game for two touchdowns, he'd played almost, uh, you know, six full quarters and hadn't thrown a touchdown and had about a 50% completion percentage. So uh, I think you're, what you're seeing from the fans is just, a decade plus of frustration and anger. I mean, some of these fans are asking for Chris Streveler, the, the fourth string quarterback, to get out there, just because he looked good in the fourth quarter of a couple of preseason games, and he did look good. But um, it's just at a point where I think fans are are kind of disconnected from reality in terms of it's just like they're 0-1, but it feels like they're they're 0-15 because the fans are so angry about what's transpired over the last 11 years and especially over the last six years where they've been over 500 for a grand total of two weeks.
2: That all sounds so very <laughs> familiar to <laughs> us here in Cleveland, um, but just wondering how is Garrett Wilson looking so far and tell us a little bit about uh, the receiving core over there.
4: Yeah. So Garrett Wilson, it was interesting in the first game. He didn't play in the first quarter because the Jets went with a lot of uh, 13 personnel. They wanted to have three tight ends out there to, uh, you know, counteract against the, the, the Ravens pass rush and kind of help out the offensive line. It did not work. Garrett Wilson got in there in the second quarter on his first play. It was like third and eight. He caught it behind the line of scrimmage and made like three guys miss, almost got a first down. And you kind of saw right there on, on his first career reception what he's capable of. I mean, he's insanely athletic. He can leap out of the out of the stadium for a guy who's only six feet tall. And he just brings this big play potential. Like, even with the four catches he had, I think it was four catches for 52 yards. You can see, like, this kid could be the best receiver on this team, like, before the season is over. It, it's, there's just so much talent there. And I don't think you'll uh, have to wait to see him until the second quarter of this game, I think he'll be out there early. Um, And then, and you're looking at Elijah Moore, who last year as a rookie, I think he had the most receiving yards since Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, And he did most of the damage in like his final four games before getting hurt. Uh, He missed six games last year with injury, including the final four games of the season. But in a five game, a four or five game stretch right before that, he had, um, I think about 490 of his is 590 yards with, with several touchdowns. So he's a guy who has the potential to do a lot of what Garrett Wilson does. Maybe not the leaping ability and athleticism, but he's super shifty, super fast and, and fun to watch. And and he has a good rapport with Joe Flacco because he did a lot of that damage in the, in the games that Joe Flacco started last year. And then uh, the other guy, their big bodied receiver is Corey Davis and, He's been a little bit or it's been a disappointment since he signed in free agency in 2021. Uh, Last year, he was limited to nine games because of injury and and had issues with drops uh, during that time. and didn't have like the number one receiver impact that they expected. He was the Jets leading receiver on Sunday, but he also dropped a catchable pass on third down. That would have been a first down in the first quarter when it mattered. A lot of his catches came kind of late in the game. I think the Jets and their fans really want to see Corey Davis make those tough plays uh, when it matters. And that's kind of what's been missing for him so far. So a lot of potential in the receiver room, but uh, they have not put it all together yet. And that's why the offense has been not very good. If if there
1: was a positive from Sunday's game, uh, at least when I've heard people discuss it, it was the run defense against the Ravens. And obviously facing this Browns team with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, They were running the football a lot against Carolina. This is what they're going to do with Jacoby Brissett. So that's really one of the matchups is how are the jets going to deal with this Browns rushing attack? Do you think the run defense was, I guess, as good as advertised on Sunday? And do you think they can deal with this offensive line and the, and these two runners? Well, I can
4: tell you that having seen the jets play against mobile quarterbacks and Lamar Jackson's obviously a rushing weapon for the Ravens, usually it, it, does not go go well (laughs) and for for them to hold him to 17 yards is something that is eye-opening for me it's just because i mean mean, this is a team i saw alex smith pull off a 90 yard run on once uh it's just they do not do well when quarterbacks run the ball and and i think it's hard to tell because the ravens were without their top running back and they were missing their starting left tackle uh but I think the defense just overall had a lot of reason for encouragement. Uh, they, they they were flying around. They're playing with a lot of energy. They're really sabotaged by like three big plays that they gave up at the worst possible time, uh, a, a classic Jets theme. But I think all of that stuff is kind of fixable and understandable when you're we're looking at some of their, mm-hmm. their long uh, or the new parts that they've added to this team. Uh, like there's going to be some growing pains. Everybody knew that. It just happened to come in a bad time for that defense. So I think overall the defense is encouraging. I don't I don't know if what we saw against Baltimore translates to Cleveland because this is a, a team that, like you said, has a much better and, and more balanced kind of running back room. But I think overall the Jets defense, they can be the strength of this team and, and be the reason that this team surprises people this year, if that is to happen. Uh, I think you're going to see a unit that is going to give the Browns some trouble.
2: Hmm. Uh, You know, basically kind of uh, along those lines. I mean, when you look at this team, Jacoby Brissett struggled to connect with Amari Cooper. He struggled to connect with David Njoku, David Bell, the rookie wide receiver. He only really had one guy that he was able to connect with from a pass-catching standpoint, and that was Donovan Peoples-Jones. So when you look at the matchup of Robert Sala's aggressive, attack-minded defense, how do you see it matching up against a struggling passing game over over in Cleveland?
4: I do think it's a good matchup for the Jets, which always it feels weird to say when I say <laughs> that, but it, it, it does seem like a good matchup just because, uh, first of all, the biggest upgrade they made this season was in the cornerback room. They had a DJ Reed, who had a, a really, I think he was on PFF, the, the highest rated cornerback, at least going into Monday's game in the NFL. Um, he didn't allow a target. He had an interception forced a fumble. Uh, and he was doing it while playing with a heavy heart, like moments after finding out his, his father died right before kickoff. So uh, it was a really impressive performance for him. Sauce Gardner. I think he gave up two Catches on like six targets for 19 yards. Uh, he looks really good. He's fun to watch. He, he had a great uh play and coverage. He's really long, really fast. And uh he can cover your slot receiver, he can cover a tight end, he can cover you know the fast guys on the outside. So I, I think, and then you look at their other corner, the slot corner, Michael Carter, the second, and and he proved as a rookie that he can play in this league and 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 did it well. So they have the guys who can cover and and they don't like the blitz and and i think they showed that they could get home without blitzing last week they they did put pressure on lamar jackson so i think when you add all that together carl lawson's going to look better as a pass rusher probably did than he did in his first game back uh and, and you got michael clemens the rookie who who they're rotating out there situationally who's who is a force very raw talent but definitely is getting after guys And and then Quinton Williams in the middle there is finding a way, he found a way last week to get pressure on Lamar Jackson with the push through the middle. So I think when you add all of that up and and the Jets linebackers are better too in terms of covering, uh, you know, with Quan Alexander off to a good start and CJ Mosley looking a lot more like what he looked like in Baltimore, not quite at that level, but a lot better. Um, I, I think it's a good matchup for the Jets defense in terms of slowing down the passing game. So in in
1: doing a little research on this team earlier this week um, you know PFF and the, the pressures they tracked uh, they credited 12 pressures given up by the left side uh, of that Jets line uh, four by George Fant and then eight uh, by Lake and Tomlinson of course that left side of the line is going to be facing one Miles Garrett for most of this game so it, how do you think they'll deal with miles and, and trying to keep him from doing what he did
4: last week to Baker Mayfield? Well, they, they better learn quickly to do a better job or it's, he's <laughs> going to have like 10 sacks. I, it was Lakin Tomlinson was surprising to watch him play that way, considering he was a pro bowler last year. And and it was right from the start of the game, the first two plays that they dropped back, he was basically pushed into Flacco. Uh, it was not a good day for him. And, and George Fant, you know, you can kind of understand because when the preseason started, he was going to be the left tackle and then Mekhi Beckton got hurt and they signed uh, Dwayne Brown and they moved him to right tackle. And then Dwayne Brown got hurt on Monday before week one, and they moved him back to left tackle. So he's kind of been all over the place. I think you'll see his level of play improve. And I think, you know, in tandem with, with fan, I'm sorry, with Tomlinson, I think that will help them, but yeah, this is going to be a huge test I don't think the jets offensive line is fully going to gel for another few weeks at least. And I think it's, I mean, it's going to be a problem uh, that the jets are going to have to account for with, with tight ends and and blocking running backs. And and obviously that's not going to stop miles Garrett, but they have to try to slow him down somehow. And so I think you're going to see a lot of quick stuff and, and a lot of that with them using extra guys to provide extra protection.
1: Okay, I want to ask you one more, and this has to do with Robert Sala. Um, uh, You know, when the Browns were going through their last hiring process, they hired Kevin Stefanski. Um, It sort of felt like Stefanski's job to lose, but Robert Sala was one of the finalists for that job, maybe the other finalist. And and I'm just curious what your impressions have been uh, of Robert Sala in his two years in New York.
4: Well, it's been an interesting week for Sala because on Monday, he said uh, that he's taking receipts for all the people who are mocking the Jets. And, uh, you know, he's going to, to. he said he was going to shove it down their throat when it comes around. So uh, that didn't go over so well with the fans who are already angry about everything. And he's taking criticism. I mean, we're starting to see criticism that it's not like it was with Adam Gase, but it's, it's intense. I mean, the, the fans are not happy with him right now. And, and you're you're seeing the, them calling for his head and that sort of stuff. The the biggest difference between the other coaches and and Robert Sala that I've seen is that like the locker room is listening to what he's saying. They are bought in on it. Uh, they they believe in his message, the positivity and 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 what he's trying to create. Uh, they just need to win. Like they can't go zero and four, or it's gonna get it's gonna get crazy. It's already crazy. It's gonna get really out of, really weird and out of control. Just because Jets fans are are fed up. Um, uh, I, I think that's kind of he's he's having a hard time balancing, like trying to he even admitted it today, trying to control like what people are saying, and and um uh, you can't, you just can't do it. You have to you have to prove it to them, you have to prove it to them with winning. And that's really all that matters. Like he needs to win in a bad way. He started, he started four and eighteen, and, and the fans after. Everything they've been through in the last you know ten years, they're they're not having it. They don't want to hear his talk anymore. Um, they want to hear they they want to hear the team winning. They want to see the team winning. and and that's really all they care about. And I think you know, he had some comments today where he explained what he said and that it was about passion. I think he's starting to figure that out and and that's kind of where he's stepped in it a little bit is I think managing stuff. It hasn't been super smooth in terms of managing what he's saying publicly and, and the fans have been upset about that. But I will say in the locker room, it's, it's not like it was with Todd Bowles and and even to more of an extent with Adam Gase and Greg Williams, where it felt like there were two different teams. It feels like this is like one team. They're all pulling in the same direction. They all believe in the same things. And that's a credit to Robert Sala, but um, it's not going to matter unless they win. They They've got to start winning and this team is going to be desperate on Sunday to do that.
2: Well, speaking of that, uh, that brings us to uh, knowing what you know and seeing what, what you see here on paper uh, about this matchup. Uh, if you, Would you like to make a pick for us today?
4: Sure. I haven't thought of it, so I'm just going to go off the top of my head. I'm thinking it's probably going to be – I think the Jets are going to win. I think they're just due to do that. And I, I think it's going to be like 21-17. I think they're going to get a play from their defense that ends up in a score – And I think Garrett Wilson or Elijah Moore is going to break a big play. Um, And and I think they're going to get it done, but it's going to be a tight game and it's going to be a tough game because, uh, you know, Miles Garrett and and the Cleveland defense is going to put a ton of pressure on Joe Flacco. and, And it's going to be interesting to watch.
1: And, and just we'll we'll give you some wiggle room here just to get we're recording this on Wednesday. so if, if things happen to change between now and <laughs> now and Friday we're not going to necessarily hold you to this pick when folks hear this on on Friday morning. but uh Andy I I will say this listening to you talk about the jets and then at the very end you mentioned the name Greg Williams there and as Mary Kay said, some of this does just feel. A little too familiar, I think, for <laughs> people that
4: have been around the Cleveland Browns for a long time. I could tell oh. you some Greg Williams stories, and I'm sure you you could too.
1: <laughs> I think oh, yeah. it- next combine we'll have like a little greg williams meeting everyone who's ever had greg williams can can sit around and and tell greg williams stories all right andy vasquez covers the new york jets for uh the star ledger and nj.com our sister site uh you can find his work at nj.com slash jets and also follow him on twitter at andy underscore vasquez v-a-s-q-u-e-z andy thanks for the time awesome thank you guys so much for having me thanks andy Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Again, my thanks to Andy Vasquez for joining us to talk Jets. It is picks time. We're going to do prop bets, and then we're going to make our game picks. Irie Harris rejoins me, Ashley Bastock, and Doug Maurice jumping on now, too, for this segment. We're going to start with prop bets. We each picked one that we liked. We're going to kick them around a little, Doug. What do you have? Yeah, so I just want to remind
5: everybody that we killed it on the prop bets last week. Like, are we taking a victory lap on that, right? Jacoby Brissett under, Nick Chubb over, Kareem Hunt over. Like, I hope people actually bet based on what we said on, on that specific part of the podcast a week ago because uh, it went very well. I'm going to do a head to head. There's a head to head who's going to have more passing yards, Joe Flacco or Jacoby Brissett. And Joe Flacco is the heavy favorite here. I think it's minus 155 if you take Joe Flacco. So if you bet 10 bucks on it, you're only going to win $6.25. But the point is, you're definitely going to win. <laughs> I'm taking Jacoby Brissett under everything. I think his over-under for Jacoby this week is like 170. I think it could be 111, and I'd take the under on Jacoby Brissett. But I like the head-to-head matchup because I think either way, the way the Jets beat the Browns is by Joe Flacco throwing the ball. Or if they lose to the Browns, they're going to need Joe Flacco throwing the ball because the Browns have a better run game than the Jets do. And I don't – Joe Flacco threw for over 300 yards last week. I don't know what it would take for Jacoby Brissett, maybe one 300-yard pass. Can you have a 300-yard pass, Dan, on one throw? Because he sure as heck is not going to string together 20 15-yard passes. So you're not going to win much money on it, but you're going to win Joe Flacco, Jacoby Brissett, head-to-head passing yards. It's deaf as Joe Flacco stinks,
1: but he'll still throw for more than Jacoby. Some listen. Sometimes it's just about those little incremental gains, right? You you feel really good about something. You're just going to take those. It's like a tiny little investment. Um, Yeah, I I'm with you, Doug. Joe Flacco is going to out throw Jacoby Brissett in this game. I so I watched that Jets game and I'm trying to figure out how to describe Joe Flacco because he's like, like he wasn't good. Was he? And elite? he wasn't constantly terrible, but he also wasn't like. And good enough to be mediocre, he was just sort of there, just throwing the ball fifty nine times, and it added up to three hundred nine yards. And Th- it, there, that's it. He, he was, was he's there, just there. He's there. He has an arm. He doesn't always get sacked. And so, yeah, he's going to out throw Jacoby Brissett. I'm in on this one with you too, Doug. So you little there- little tiny gains
0: you've answered the question, the timeless question of is Joe Flacco elite? Your answer is no, he's no. just there.
5: No, yeah, I don't even think that's a no. It's just avoiding the question. Yeah, he's just is he's he's there? there. He's there.
0: Technically speaking, he is there. It is avoiding the question. Um, no, I'm also with this. And my, my main reason is Talk about high-volume thrower last week. 59 passes, like Dan said. He completed 37 of them. He's going to throw a lot, well, a lot of passes, and he's still going to kind of make a lot of passes just because he's going to, like, throw triple the amount of passes that Jacoby Brissett throws or something stupid. So, um, once again, pains me to agree with Doug, but he is
1: right on this, I think. Irie, are, do you do you disagree here, or are you in on this?
3: Uh, Doug... I'm kidding. Yes, I agree. Uh, I, I mean this is the Jets are off offensive game. They're not they're not a team that's gonna beat you in the receiving area. They're not gonna beat you with their rushing game. The player who had the most rushing yards that led a team in rushing yards last season will not go it with six thirty-nine. They're gonna beat you, or at least try to beat you with the throwing game. I think he's probably gonna go forward with sixty pat passing or uh passing attempts on uh on Sunday. So I'm in on this. I agree, Doug. I
5: mean, okay. the, the, the risk is Miles Garrett snapping Joe Flacco in half in the middle of the first quarter. And then it's Jacoby Persept by default, but I mean, you got to take a risk.
1: Uh, I, I, I got a Miles Garrett one coming up. We'll uh, we'll see if somebody else grabbed that one first though. Ashley, you got one. Oh yeah. I got one. I got
0: a kicking bet for everyone because right now the over-under for Cade York on field goals is one and a half. I'm going to take the over on that because I struggle to see a world in which the Browns needed him to kick four field goals last week and only needing him to kick one this week. Now the Jets are bad, but I just think this offense is still not going to be clicking on all cylinders. Their worst opponent might wind up being themselves in a lot of ways especially if they can't complete some of those big throws and we know that Kevin Stefanski like would have probably used Cade York even for one more kick but it was the first game and he wanted to you know let him get some shorter kicks in before sending him out there for a 50 yarder so I'm gonna say the over on this is still kind of a safe bet to me, and the risk is the Jets are just so bad, and the Browns, Jacoby Brissett looks like a pro bowler all of a sudden out of nowhere okay. this offense is clicking okay. on all cylinders. <laughs> so that's okay. the risk. Okay. But it's not a big risk. So, so there's I no think. risk? No. Not at all, basically, <laughs> is my reasoning.
1: So, if, if you're going the over two and a half and, you know, and listen, Harley at your own risk, why not just pair Cade York over field goals with Joe Flacco out throwing Jacoby Brissett? Don't those kind of go hand in hand anyway, just, you know, increase your take a little bit.
5: I think we should just make this the orange and brown talk parlay. Just whatever four things we say, just parlay them
1: all ride with us.
0: Gosh. Can you imagine the emails
1: (laughs) again? God, I don't want just this to just be all four of us agreeing here, but if I don't think Jacoby Brissett's gonna have a big game throw on the football, how can I say Cade York's only gonna kick two field goals? I, I I suppose Kevin Stefanski could be a little more aggressive, but I think I think he would have kicked a field goal in on that one drive early yeah. in the game had he had a chance to get Cade York a shorter kick before that. So as much as Kevin wants to be aggressive, I don't know if he's gonna be super aggressive with Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback. So I think Cade's gonna get some opportunities. I think three field goals. Sounds just about right, honestly. So, again, I'm in agreement here. Does anyone disagree with this one? Go ahead, Ashley. Really quick, just to be clear, this is the over
0: under on field goals is one and a half. On extra points, it's two and a half, I believe. So, just so oh, no, it's oh, so, the so what field do you taking? One and a half. I was taking field goals. Did I say
5: you said two and a half? It's one and a half, it was,
0: yeah. It's one and a half, yeah. Sorry, Ashley, I have numbers them. in front of me. It is one and a half is the over under on made. Field goals. Actually, you're right. I was. Much, that's
1: on me. I was looking at the wrong one. Yep. How much?
5: How much can you take out in one ATM transaction? Actually, at your bank. <laughs>
0: doug I
5: don't you, want to answer that. You question. wrote. You wrote a four thousand word. However many words your Cade York story 3, 500
0: was. Five hundred words. Thirty-five
5: hundred. You should put thirty-five hundred dollars this week on Cade York over field goals. Back up your writing oh with gosh. your betting. How exciting would that be? Yeah.
0: Oh man, Doug! No, not okay. But next week do... we
5: come to Ashley living in Mary Kay's living room after she had to couldn't make rent anymore. Yeah, Sorry,
0: after I can no longer afford my lovely apartment. No, I I do think that like when I saw that I was kind of shocked. It, it was one and a half. Like I thought it might be two. I thought are these? Am I looking at this right? Are these you know flipped? Like I triple checked it because I was like, I just think the over is the obvious choice here.
1: If I would have know, if I would have had the number right, and known <laughs> it was one and a half, Irie, I, I would have been that that Forrest Gump gif that everybody posts on Twitter, running to place this bet, oh running to place God. this over. Yeah, I mean, the, this is come on. This Kate is already. How
3: do I put it? When you talk, there's somebody's. I, somebody's already talking about the legend of katie york and giving it as, as as a bedtime story right now to their kids they're already doing this right now it's only gonna grow with the more and more feelings that he takes and kicks and makes so definitely give me the over on that let york york or who you like that huh like york that, huh? york
5: yeah <laughs> come on stop playing no think- huh? stop Blimey. I do. I, I think there's also 20% worry about like, is the kicker's head getting too big because people are telling bedtime stories about him? Let's just make sure, stay grounded, Cade. Just because Ashley Bastock writes the definitive story about your life doesn't mean you should lose well, focus. Okay? That
0: definitive story suggests um, that nothing can make this 21-year-old Cade York, which is crazy that he's 21, lose focus. Now, I've been the first person to say, First Energy Stadium is not an easy place to kick. Obviously, that's also kind of the wild card. Here. I haven't looked at the weather for Sunday. I don't know what the wind or anything is supposed to be like. But that, as the season goes on, it's just something to keep in mind for everyone.
3: Uh, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I'm I'm sorry, Doug. Wait, would you rather? Were you the Were you one of those parents that was telling your kids the uh, the Phil Dawson story coming up? Were you giving him the the whole details when it came to the, the you know the little Phil Dawson rule and
5: everything? Were you one of those parents, Doug? I wasn't, no. But I do I do believe I do believe in the burgeoning legend of Cade York. Um, but just be careful, man. Hope for the best and expect the worst. So just just it's just a
1: message to Cade. I know Cade's listening, you know, because he wants to hear what Ashley has to say about him. So just yeah. just everyone be careful. But, by the way, I should mention, uh, I forgot to mention this off the top. These uh, these props we're using were sent to us by Caesars. So uh, that's that's where you can find these things um, that that's where we uh, came across them. So uh, if you're sitting there wondering, where can I get this crazy Cade York number? It's no. at Caesars. All right. Yes, Irie, what do you have? All righty.
3: So to add on to uh, the parlay that, you know, they should I mean, why not add this on to the parlay with regarding the over-under? I'm going to go to the receivers, the receiving court, and I'm going to go regarding receptions. Um, it is uh, Murray Cooper, the over-under with, you know, a 3.5 receptions. I'm going to go the over on this. I know last game he only – I know out of six targets, he had was you know three receptions for, I believe, 17 yards. I believe he's gonna get the extra one coming up on
1: Sunday. Are we just two into overs right now? This is I can, one I was eyeballing too. I hey I can get
3: I uh, we can add it on. I can do a little uh head that to head with between between the running backs when we
1: do uh Michael Carter and Kareem Hunt. I can do that real quick. Let's let's save that one. We'll throw a bonus one in. Cool. You like Mari. What 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 was the number? How many receptions? Three and a half. Okay. So that. I think I think what you're betting on here, if you take the over, is the Browns are going to maybe force feed Amari a little bit. Maybe, maybe. Um, it it depends on on the pace of the game. Um,
3: I think, I mean, especially because he's a three time Pro so any team is going to already be on on a sense when it comes to deep and you know hard coverage on him. But then, yeah, you have the set. Probably going to be the number two uh, receiver in everyone's eyes, and Donovan Peoples Jones. and somebody like that they're going to ha- have to look out for a bit. I mean, he came up clutch last, you know, last game. So, yeah, I think it's going to open up a more, bit more room for uh, Amari to get those numbers up and get those receptions. And so, yeah, I'm going to take the over on that. Um, agree, disagree, everybody?
5: I wouldn't bet an over related to the Browns' passing game all year. So I disagree on principle. They can't throw it so like well i don't like there's so many things in the world to bet on there's so there's so many things in the world to bet on why would you put any money on the browns passing game
3: what what if what if people say Oh no those tres, go, just 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 agree with me dog.
1: <laughs> I can't. six targets six targets last week ashley
0: so wait, the number, the over-under for receptions for Amari Cooper is three and a half. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna cool. I'm gonna also take the under, I think. Oh my. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Doug on this. I just kind of gotta see it. To believe it,
3: we were flowing so well. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we were flowing so well. (laughs) So, an acceptable and understandable. Here's what I
0: think. Here's what's happening is gonna (laughs) hinder it. Here's what I think is gonna hinder it. I think that Jacoby Brissette has kind of like developed some chemistry with DPJ because DPJ can make these like diving contested catches on throws that aren't that good. So, I think between DPJ between Kareem Hunt in the past game. And both those guys had more receptions than Amari Cooper last week. They had six and four and Amari Cooper had three. So that's kind of where I'm going. And the Browns didn't really target David Njoku a ton. I think that's coming more. So I just think the, the ever present problem, I guess, in a Kevin Stefanski offense is, is the ball big enough to go around to these wide receivers or do they just eventually get disgruntled because of this?
5: I'm going to say, I would say the thing that would lead me toward the under here is that Jacoby Brissett can't throw. That too. Yes. That's my thing. Yeah,
0: that would be my thing. Saying,
5: like Donovan, like, like be be... going to Donovan because
0: Donovan <laughs> kept making these like diving catches on these really bad throws. There's like
2: think...
5: 400 prop bets in the world. I'm not even saying it's going to go under. I'm saying don't put money on the Browns pass game right now. That's all. I, I don't know okay. what it's going to do. So
0: Doug, it's unpredictable.
1: So, Doug, I agree with you that I would not touch anything to do with the Browns passing game. However, if you made me, I would take the over. What What? what does it look like if I made you? What is that?
5: That's not no, – so, if,
1: I, yeah. If you, if you were like – if you gave me $100 and you said, you have to put this on this Amari Cooper bet, this this is the only one you can do. I would take the over because he was targeted six times last week and I think we're gonna see some- i I think there's gonna be two throws to amari that are just gonna be quick easy get him the football throws and then you just gotta find two more and I don't know who I mean who else is is Anthony Schwartz gonna get 15 targets in this game is like, I think there's four catches there for Amari Cooper. Maybe I'm just addicted to overs. Maybe that's where I'm at right now. You win the first game for the first time since 2004 and now I'm just addicted to overs. But you watched it. You went to Carolina (laughs) and watched them try to
5: throw the ball. I know what the final score was, but bet on the kicker. Just bet on the kicker. That's all. It's fine. It's fine. But I, I don't even know, like, is this like a new, like our crime thriller? It's like someone close to Dan Labe has been kidnapped. And to get them back, he has to bet the over on Amari Cooper receptions. <laughs> what will happen? I He's like being, that. if you made me, That's <laughs> if you made me, okay, comes down to this. Bet. So I just, I mean, you might be right. And, and I read like, you might be a lot of times, right? You've got to react to the thing. And, and in life, it's not that something happened. So it's going to happen again. It's something happened, so now the opposite's going to happen. That happens all the time. You've got to play that and stuff like this. So Amari Cooper had a nothing game. The line's only three and a half on your number one receiver. I get that thinking. I just would stay away from anything regarding this.
3: Oh, I'm kidding. Thank
1: you for that. Uh Okay, here's mine. I said I had a Miles Garrett one. and So last week, we had Nick Chubb, right? We had those weird numbers with Nick Chubb, and it just felt like, what are we missing here? What am I not seeing when I look at these Nick Chubb numbers to not say, of course, he's going to just blow by those totals. Miles Garrett, I've been staring at this because I'm convinced that it is a typo. Miles Garrett sacks a quarter, 0.25. Yeah. Yeah.
5: That's so weird. It's like, what if they made it 0.1? We think it, what if they made it 0.63? Why is it a quarter? Oh, no, I guess it is a quarter because you get a half a sack. You can get a half a sack. So they're basically making fun of it.
1: They're basically, sorry to make fun of it. (laughs) They're asking you to bet on the fact that Miles won't just accidentally touch Joe Flacco, (laughs)
0: like
1: when somebody else is tackling him in this game. Well, I I will say, I think it is different defensively because you're not completely
5: in control of stuff defensively. With the Nick Chubb number that we crushed last week, (laughs) the Browns are in charge of that. We're going to give Nick Chubb the ball enough times for him to get over this. If If the Jets say Joe Flacco's not holding the ball for more than a second and a half, We're never going to leave miles without a tight end or a running back helping out on him. Everything we do, we're going to go away from him. And our number one game plan is make sure miles Garrett has as little impact as possible. Then that's miles Garrett having a huge impact and not getting half a sack. So that's the thing of like, I agree with you, Dan, I'd take the over on this, but I don't know if they're so afraid of him that Joe Flacco was just going to, it's going to be a hot potato. He's going to get rid of the ball.
1: And, And look, part of this is there's like, there's not a lot of value embedding this because the value is in taking the under and i don't think he's going to get the under we talked at the beginning but we've actually talked in, in both segments of the pod before this the left side of the jet of the uh jets line gave up a combined 12 pressures last week you go back and watch the game there's defenders just all over joe flacco and that line might play better but they're not shutting down miles garrett he's he's gonna get a sack in this game if not two so again there's not a ton of value in taking the over. It's minus 170. But if you're going to do this, you know, if, if you're trying to find value, you're not going to take the under on this. You're you're just going to stay away. So I think the miles Garrett over, he's getting two sacks in this football game. If it were one and a half, I would think about taking it.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I mean, basically because of what you said, Dan, like I think the thing about Miles Garrett is every team is coming into just about every matchup with the Browns trying to figure out a way to neutralize him. And like Doug is saying, there is a, still a certain lack of control that any defense has in that regard. But I just think he's so good that it's it's not going to be close. I, I think the over is a definite here. He's going to get at least one sack. <laughs> and honestly, like you said, probably more. It might be another his second straight multi-sack
1: game. Yeah, I mean, Doug, you're right that that the defense doesn't have, control. but there are certain players I think that do have more control. So Miles Garrett is one of them. T.J. Watt, uh, Khalil Mack, what he had three sacks against the the Raiders last week. I mean, there are there are a handful of guys, and Miles Garrett is in that group that can sort of they they aren't just at the mercy of kind of does the football come their way or does something kind of happen in their favor? Miles Garrett can force the issue a little bit. That makes sense. Irie, Miles is getting two sacks in this game, right?
3: Hey, What what were we talking about earlier? On, when you and me and Mary, okay, what did we say? That he was not... Listed number one for front runner just after week one for defensive player of the year. Well, yeah, I think I
1: think I actually disagreed with that statement.
3: But. You did? OK, all right. All right. Well, but no, I, I I mentioned that and saying if there is going to be any game versus any team versus specifically versus any lack of mobility type of quarterback to go and get his numbers up, especially at, specifically as at sacks up against. It's going to be Joe Flacco and the Jets. Doug, what do you say at the beginning of this call? He's not a good quarterback right now. He's older. He's slow. He's not drinking the Tom Brady juice. I see multiple stacks coming from Miles Garrett this game.
5: No, no, no. But if you had a if you had a decrepit old man (laughs) playing quarterback at Miles Garrett, I would say, decrepit old man, get rid of the ball as fast as you can because he is coming for you. That's all. I'm not disputing (laughs) Joe Flacco's lack of Brady juice. This is like I'll put it like this. This is
3: how I see it, Dan. You, you may be i mean every everybody here may be able to remember actually maybe because we're closer a bit but remember that that that's okay i'm gonna do it remember that spongebob episode where it was the old man at the bus stop and they they came out of nowhere like how many times do you have to teach you this lesson old man That's gonna
0: be i know i know i like get that. the
1: reference i get the ref i get this reference is is it? get it
0: dan is hip doug is not even what? though i have a great picture of doug being am
5: there. i am i the old man in this reference i'm confused <laughs> yes. Yeah. No.
3: Well,
5: no, no. What? sorry what,
3: what's that but yeah I, I i see that as being miles and and Flacco specifically coming up this uh this sunday definitely in the first quarter oh definitely in the first quarter is this
1: going to be like a, a justin fields last year situation mm-hmm. all right uh let's take one more break here and then we'll do our jets browns game picks I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, our big Browns-Jets preview show coming to an end. Uh, We got to pick the game. So we've got this, as of this recording, Browns are six and a half point favorites against the New York Jets. The Browns, of course, won last week on a 58-yard field goal. The Jets were blown out by the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, uh, 24 to, for some reason, I closed this window, unfortunately. Um, but the Jets were blown up by the Ravens, 24 to nine. So, who wants to go first? Is any First of all, is anyone picking the Jets? Does anyone want to make the case for the Jets? Let's just start there. I'm. I'm oh. No, chill, okay, chill,
3: okay. Chill, chill, chill,
1: chill, Come on, all come right. on, come on. What, Andy what? Vasquez, Andy Vasquez picked the Jets.
5: Who's that? Um, is Paul's that a reference I don't go. get? Oh, sorry. Um, (laughs) What I said in the preview show last week, 11 games for the Browns, I had four sure losses and one sure win. This is the sure win. By six and a half? Well, you didn't ask me if... So I'm taking the Jets with the points. I wouldn't give six and a half with Jacoby Brissett to a middle school team. I mean, I don't... what I Like, I can't... That you're going to give six and a half, I just can't... Again, if Dan Lobby... Dan... You have 24 hours. Here's what you must do. You must correctly pick this. I get it. Maybe stay away, but we're picking the game. I'll take the Browns to win 20 to 16. Six and a half is a lot. And I don't think this offense is going to pile up points. And they had some coverage breakdowns last week. You know, I don't know, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and Michael Carter, Jeremy Rucker, right? They have a couple guys. Can Can the Jets stumble into two touchdowns? And now all of a sudden – and by the way, my 20, Ashley, for the Browns, that's 6K York field goals and a Miles Garrett safety. That's how I get to that 20, (laughs) by the way. So – I'll take, so that's, so I'm definitely, I'm taking the Jets in the six and a half, but I just, I thought you meant the Jets to win. I don't What does that look like? Who knows what that looks like, but I'll take the points.
1: No, no, no. I, I was originally just referencing, is anyone just picking the Jets outright and nobody was, was jumping on that. No. But. but the okay, Jets so, guy picked the Jets. The Jets writer picked the Jets. He did from our sister site, nj.com. And Dude, did, you you guys,
5: did you guys, did you guys give him a hard time? Did you call him a homer? <laughs> I guess, I guess we are now. What's up, dude? For real? Although, as I said, beginning of the year, the Jets guys going, eh, Jacoby Brissett, come on. (laughs) Unless the Jets are going 0 17,
1: this is the one, baby. (laughs) I am going to go, well, you know what? Is anybody else taking the Jets and the points? Not the the Jets plus six and a half. No one? Okay. So, Ashley, Irene, and I are all in agreement here. I think the Browns are going to win this game by a ton. I just was not impressed with the Jets. I think Garrett Wilson does bring a little juice to that offense. And I think that Jets defense is decent-ish to good. But I also just buy into the Browns' ground game. I buy into this Nick Chubb-Kareem Hunt thing. And I just think the Browns, even with Jacoby Brissett, are more talented than the Jets across the board. I could see a defensive score in this game. And I think that's part of why the Browns win this game by at least a touchdown. I'm going to go Browns 23, Jets 13. Hmm. Ashley?
0: We're very similar in our score predictions. I'm going to go Browns 27, Jets 17. So I'm basically with you, Dan. Like, I just think the Browns across the board... Have more talent. There might be some slip-ups defensively. This offense, I don't think, is going to be high-powered by any means. You're going to need a few Cade York field goals in there. Um, but I do think it's it's a Browns win. If it isn't a Browns win, there's a lot of problems. Like a lot of stuff would have to break down because you know we saw a few things break down against Carolina, but I think even more would have to break down against the Jets.
1: For the record, I'm going seven. Kate York field goals in oh. a miles Garrett safety. Oh, that, I respect it. <laughs> I What do you have?
3: I have the Browns winning this game. My score is 28 to 10. I, I, I almost didn't even have him scoring in double digits for, for a moment, especially, I mean, going back, I mean, going back to, to Sunday when he played the Ravens, didn't score their single touchdown until there was a minute left in the game.
1: It's true, and their
3: their kicker couldn't even make the make the extra point. Kicker makes the extra point, they get the ten points, but no, they stay at nine. I'm not impressed by all about this. And Joe was Joe, Joe was making sure they're not coming out there over, you know, confident to, to where it's just yeah, let's just go out there and lag it, and then we can still win. No, making sure that we put this team team out no leader than, than the first half. I'll say twenty eight to ten.
1: So we have 28, 10, 27, 17, 23, 13. And Doug, what was yours? 20 to 16? 20 to 16. 20 to, wow. I can't believe I remembered all those. That was really good. That's incredible. I should, I don't know, I don't know what to do with that skill. Host a podcast. <laughs> I guess. Great. <laughs> I peaked. <laughs> all right.
5: <laughs> there you you go. and I, you and I have definitely peaked. Irene and Ashley are still on the way up, but oh so it's gosh. over for us, Dan
1: at least i got the spongebob reference yeah
5: oh I got that, that was spongebob you. oh i i think he's too naughty my kids didn't watch that
0: oh my goodness <laughs>
1: dan you're a hip man you're hip to be square i <laughs> had some kids that liked spongebob i guess it was definitely the kids it, it, the kids were the ones watching spongebob yeah
0: that's exactly it the kids
1: um okay There we go. Our Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Browns Jets Preview. Uh, We will be back with our post game show on Sunday. We'll try to do a preview pod to get to Thursday. We'll try and get that up Thursday morning next week. So if you like these preview pods, uh, stay tuned for Thursday morning for that Browns Steelers preview. And then of course, regular pods throughout the week leading up to that. So just make sure you're subscribed to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And like I tell you, subscribe to football insider to get that newsletter that one of us writes every day, become a tech subscriber and get access to those stories on cleveland.com Browns. You've got to be a subscriber to read, so just go to cleveland.com Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, uh, for Mary Kay earlier. And of course, my thanks to Andy Vasquez and in this group, Ashley, Irie and Doug. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.